Hello, my friends. Brett Patterson coming at you from the financial capital of the West Salt Lake City, Utah. Joined by the big fella, the chairman. Brett, good morning. How you doing? Oh, living the dream, my friend. Living the dream. Good. Want to know why I'm living the dream? Why are you living the dream? Because we're in the midst of a correction. Okay. And you know what corrections do? Opportunities. You nailed it, brother. Yeah. That's why I'm living the dream and many other reasons. <laughs> in fact, let's give a correction update because... The contact that I've had with people as of late have been, hey, what do you think of the correction? So let's talk about what we think of the correction and then talk about another very important principle to navigating the correction in the current environment that we find ourselves. So at the, at the bottom, at least the bottom so far, the S&P 500 was down 12.5%. The NASDAQ was down 18.5%. And the Russell 2000 was down 23.3%. Now, folks at home, remember, anything past 10% is considered a correction. Anything past 20% is considered a bear market. That doesn't mean that th that a, a simple correction doesn't feel <laughs> like a bear market because I think that's why clients are reaching out because they feel it's like a bear market. But... Whether it's nine and a half, nine point nine, or ten percent, I mean, yeah. it doesn't really matter. Yep. It's just so, you know somebody decided that a ten percent is a correction. Is it official? But if correction? it doesn't get to nine, if it does, if it goes to nine point nine, it's not official. And then it's give me a break. Did it close down ten, or was it just intraday? You know what? We're we're in a correction. Let's, let's just say that's stupid. <laughs> can I just say that? I just think that's all stupid. You can because it feels different. Half of the Nasdaq stocks were down fifty percent or more. That, so, so that particular index, which as a whole, the index was down 18.5%, again, felt like a bear market. And for many, still feels like a bear market. But as of today, uh, where are we in, as far as off of those lows? And where, are we, where do we stand for the year? The, the S&P 500 is down 4.04%. So we've rallied back quite a bit. The S&P 500 has rallied back or excuse me, the NASDAQ has rallied back 10%. It's down 8.5% right now. And the Russell 2000 has gone gangbuster. It's only down 6.38%, but it was down 23%. Mm -hmm. So we've, saw, we, we, we've seen a pretty good comeback in the market. Um, we talked about in the last podcast about the correction, and that's what we thought it was. And I think... A lot of us, and I'll say a lot of clients of ours and friends of ours, have been spoiled since March of 2020 because the market's gone one direction. And we haven't experienced a pullback to this, to this, you know, down 12.5% and down 18.5%. We haven't experienced that for a while. And so our recency bias is affecting what really is happening in the market. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are assuming I think people are a little bit shell-shocked from March of 2020 and uh, they think okay any is this that is this gonna be something like that where we're down 30 plus percent yep. over a short period of time and that's painful for a lot of people I would I, I would say that that's those kind of corrections are rare we've talked about you know how often that happens once it's, a decade right it's pretty rare so 
I don't I don't think people just because the market's down 10% or 9 or or 12 or something that all of a sudden that's a reason to panic like okay this is this is we're just on our way down to 30%. Yeah. And you t- you mentioned that there's a lot of companies in the Nasdaq that are down 50% or more and uh those are the companies that that what <laughs> sucked well sh- no i mean they should be down 50 percent or yeah, more i mean from really, their highs for sure well yeah the, the valuations that that investors were putting on those those businesses with very little in, in the in the in the with profits they didn't have a lot of profits that was that's just there was a lot of speculation and has been a lot of speculation in the market and the that back world yeah it's back world yeah, it's been <clears throat> decimated that's, that's been flushed out and that that is actually healthy I, I i don't hope people understand that i mean i i feel for anybody out there listening that's that was invested in those kind of companies um they made a you know hopefully you're in it for a they while led the market last year yeah you, you now you, they're getting annihilated yeah hopefully they you know made money on those and didn't buy at the high and unfortunately i think out. a lot of a lot of people do they, yep. they kind of chase those kind of returns and that's that's unfortunate. But you said something interesting that we've said before, and let's reiterate. This is a healthy correction because it's flushing all out, out all of that specula- I, speculation. I honestly, I just don't like when that happens, when, when we have that sort of speculation mm-hmm. going on. A lot of people just throwing money at the market, tracing, or chasing trends and prices and things and having – a lot of people had no idea what they're buying. They just knew that it was up yesterday and it's going to continue on or it's going to go do that tomorrow. They're yep. going to get out. They're going to make some money and get out. And that's just a lot of speculation. That's For me, that's like going down to Vegas and laying money on, you yep. know. Yep. Black. Roulette, on black, right. So here's the other thought, too, with that is uh, we heard from a few clients last year and a few friends, uh, you know, um, how good they were doing in their own investing because they were buying those types of companies. And then I've heard this, Brian, before we get into inflation. Why weren't we doing that? Why weren't we doing that? Because why we weren't, I'll tell you why, is because what's happened the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months, I didn't want to go through that because I knew yes, it was, I was, knew was, was going to come. I knew it was going to come. But here's the response to, from them. But I put stop losses on all my trades. Well, good for you. Well, guess what happens? What, it, what happened with Netflix? It gapped down below everybody's stop loss and opened down over a hundred bucks. Yeah. And then they get stopped out when the stock's down 20% plus. And then that's the very, very low. And then the stock, anyway, don't, I'm going down. I hate stop losses, by the way. Stop. They only stop you making money is what they do. All right. Inflation's the big topic, right? Number came out today. We're at 7.48% inflation. The highest since you, my friend, were a junior in high school, you just said. 1981. <laughs> I like it. So that's a hot, hot reading, right? Um, what we've heard as we've listened to conference calls from a lot of technology names, from Maersk, which does a lot of the, you know, the, the shipping and the, Big shipper, the ports yeah. and, and all that. They said that they're, they are seeing things ease already, and by the second half of this year, we should see, not normal, but we should see a significant improvement in our supply chain. Uh, yeah, in fact, I, just, I think I just heard that uh, expectations are peak inflation, I think, second quarter this year, maybe like, you know, this, 
this in a few more months, um, we should see peak inflation. So, I mean, who knows if what's which, if which that, who knows? I tend to believe that the, these companies on their earnings uh, calls saying that's going to kind of moderate towards the second half of this year, but you never know. Well, these these are the guys in the front lines, and yeah, I, if anybody's going to if they if anybody's going to know, it's going to be the people actually operating and businesses in this environment. The two components to this uh, that I want to talk about. Inflation at 7.48%. I've had a few emails. And, and look, we could try to forecast energy and wages and what they're going to do and where inflation is going to be. That's not known. Like We'd be having a conversation about something we think, but we don't know. So based on an inflation rate at 7.48%, here's the more important reason. Or, or excuse me, the more important discussion. How are we allocating portfolios to defend against 7.48 inflation or 4% inflation or 10% inflation? How are we allocating portfolios? Which is a conversation that I've had with many or that, that, that quite a few people have asked me. Right. When we look at investing in a business, we're always looking for a business that has pricing power. You know, we talk about businesses that have durable competitive advantages, including going through times like inflationary times like we're seeing right now. So, um, some business, some of our businesses that we own are directly benefiting from higher interest rates and higher inflation. Directly benefiting, and we've seen, you know, this year, like, like what, what? I mean, financials and indu- financials and industrials. Yeah. You know, we own we own several of those in our in our portfolio. Um, we also own some, you know, big technology companies, and uh, they don't have. I mean, they're not really directly benefiting, but they have really strong economics, really strong economic power, pricing power, and are doing just fine in this inflationary environment. In fact, they've, for, for the most part, of just doing extremely well. We saw that in the earnings reports this right, last these right. last two weeks. Almost without, you know, almost every one of them. One company struggled. The rest. Killed it, but it's. I don't think their struggles are necessarily inflationary reasons. It's other reasons, and and uh, so we feel very good about our portfolio um, and and the companies we own, and uh, going through this inflationary environment. By the way, the best asset to own in an inflationary environment is a great business. It's not owning bonds, especially long. If anybody out there has long duration or you know long, well, like what's duration? What dura- does that mean? Yeah, duration is basically a long maturity, or it's a long time before that bond will mature and you get your principal back. And what would be, when you say long duration, what would be too long of a duration in 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 the fixed income world right now? I mean, more than, anything more than a couple of years. I mean, short. We you you want to stay really short and high quality in my opinion. Um, so if you if you look at what's happened in the bond market, last year bonds were negative, I believe, for the year. I know they're negative this year. In, in a rising interest rate environment, bond prices will go down. So uh, as rates go up, prices go down. And if you own bonds, and a lot of people own bonds, why? They, they want to be safe. They want to protect their in- investment. And guess what? And if you own long dated bonds, long maturity bonds, um, though the value of those bonds are going down, and and intermediate too, and intermediate, you're talking four years plus. Well, even even short term bonds, but the, but they don't they're the the pain in those bonds are less, but all bonds really are, are 
losing value in this environment. And and here's and and I'm going to try to stay off my soapbox of the perception that bonds are safe. When you've got a 7.48% inflation, if 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 wherever your money is, if they're not talking about this like we are right now, they're doing you a disservice. Because at 7.48% inflation, none of those bonds are making money. They're right. all riskier than owning the S&P 500. Yeah, and I, I don't think, uh, hopefully people understand that a rational investor is going to look at a bond today. I mean, I don't, a rational investor can't look at a bond today and say that's a good investment. You just can't. <laughs> There's no way. No. You got inflation at 7.4%. Even if inflation was at, you know, say 3%, you still, still. it's still not a good investment. Yep. So why do you buy bonds? Why would you buy bonds? Well, the only, really, the only reason you're going to buy a bond. Psychological fear. Well, that and maybe it's for liquidity reasons. You may need some, you might have some liquidity events. Maybe you're retired and yeah. you need money that's more stable. And, and, and that's, that's really the reason. I mean, Buffett's always talked about, you know, he has, he puts all, a lot of uh, the cash reserves at Berkshire Hathaway into U.S. Treasury, short-term Treasury bonds. Treasury bills, for the most part, and it's not mm-hmm. because he likes it. He just that's just a par- way to a place park to park it. his money. Yep, that's that's all it is. And but over the long term, uh, it's it's a sure way of of eroding purchasing power and the value. Which, of- which is the biggest risk for people in retirement is the eroding of purchasing power. I yeah, mean, it's that's the biggest risk, especially if you're running out of money. Especially if you're an investor that's trying to build wealth at, for future retirement. Um, bonds yeah. just make absolutely no sense. So, so here's a, a a a question for you. We talk about our portfolio. We have right around 15 companies that we own. Okay? And and a couple questions have come in from clients about, you know, not just the allocation of what we're buying, but the allocation of how many businesses we own. And there's there's this great quote by by Joel Greenblatt a a famous investor, and he said this. And then I want you to comment on it, Brian. Uh, We've talked about this many times, so have at it. He says, there is no sense diluting your best ideas or favorite situations by continuing to work your way down a list of attractive opportunities. What does that mean as we build a portfolio with 15 businesses? Yeah, you really want to focus your your money, your investments on your best ideas. And it doesn't in my mind, it doesn't make any sense to and focus give part of some of your best ideas on your 50th favorite idea. It just doesn't make any sense. Say, "Oh, I have there's 50 good ideas out there, but and I'm going to rank them and I like this company the best and I really really like it and I'm going to allocate, you know, a certain percentage of my portfolio into that great great idea, incredible idea, great business, good value, great management, all those things." Then you get down the list of your 50th idea. Well, yeah, I kind of like this one and uh, you know, should I put how much should I put in that? Well, you probably shouldn't put anything in it. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Put it on. Focus your best ideas, uh, the money, when your best ideas. Now, let me say that that's not for everybody. 
not everybody. And let me let me explain because okay. I think you you're already disagreeing with. Where's he? <laughs> where's he going with it? I am disagreeing. Listen, if you do, but if you don't know what you're doing, then the best then what you should do is to is to buy not fifty but probably five hundred. So, so here's what Warren Buffett said. And I pulled a Warren Buffett quote just for you. Today, Wait, good, good, because I was he getting said, mad. He said, risk comes from not knowing what you're doing. Yeah, if you don't know how to value a business, if you don't know how to, to evaluate a business or what's a good business, or you don't have the inclination or desire to do that, then you shouldn't be buying, putting your money into 10 stocks. You shouldn't even do it into 20 or even 50. You should be... You should brought, be calling us. Calling us. For you. Or you, that's where you hire somebody yeah. you trust that knows what yep. they're doing. And the reason we know what we're doing, I'm not, you know, it's not, oh gosh, we're smarter than everybody else. It's because we've devoted our careers to this for the last, I mean, I've been, you know, for 30, over 30 years. Yep. You, you're the same. I mean, if unless you have time to really dig in and understand a business and want to do that and have a desire to do it, then. You should either hire somebody to do it for you or buy a low-cost index fund. I mean, that's yeah. really what you should do. Yeah, and it's and as far as risk goes, uh, it, risk on the other side of what Warren Buffett was saying, risk is mitigated by understanding what you're buying and understanding the risks associated with that business. So that if you put 10% of your money in it, okay, you know the risk associated with doing that right a lot of people ask you know there's this old i guess a terminology or idea that uh that the riskier the investment the greater return potential and i hate it i hate that idea i think it's stupid actually (laughs) (laughs) being real blunt here katie put a quarter in here i like this i like this brian you don't want i mean we don't want to risk our money and so we're not, no. we're not, we're trying to buy the least risky, best businesses that we know. We're not speculating. We're not like, hey, we're no. buying this particular company and saying, well, it's a coin toss. It's a 50-50 coin toss. This is a, you know, going to be a good investment. And that's absolutely not what we're doing. But I think a lot of people think, you know, the higher risk, the higher return potential. Well, guess what? There's, it's, a, it's like a cliff. It's like, yeah, there's, there's maybe some risk. But then when you get beyond a certain point, it's like, there's a big cliff and there's yep. a huge amount of risk and that's we're just not interested in we those kind of investments. We saw that yeah. in the very first part of this podcast. We we talked about that with the risky investments that people took last year that are getting annihilated this year. Yeah. We talked about that same thing. Right. And you can't even protect it with stop losses. Very very risky. And, so, and a lot of the risk there was the value, the valuation on yep. those businesses was just so risky. Which again, Great. risk comes from not knowing what you're doing. Yeah, if you don't know how to it. value business or evaluate a good, but you know what's a good, what determines a, one good business versus another one, then you shouldn't be doing yeah. it. I I actually think that 15 companies in a portfolio it's too much <laughs> it's too much you and charlie munger <laughs> i heard munger say about six uh yeah but when you think about but it when you when you know what you're doing and in, in you i mean it's a business you're buying right Right. yeah if you think about it, if you own six privately owned businesses let's say that you owned amazon and apple and and uh whatever you know union pacific union wells pacific, fargo hershey's or whatever Bank of America, yeah hershey's if you own those and they were all privately owned businesses and you own six of them and you you know you and I were having a conversation about that 
I'd say, wow, that guy's that guy's that got guy some great business, very diversified, and got some great businesses. But because they're publicly traded and yeah. they you can trade easily, push a button in and out, and you get a you get a feedback from the market every day what it's worth. Yeah. Um, people think that you got to you got to own a hundred or five hundred sto- ideas stock, and that's just that's just doesn't make any sense. And I know that all the academics around the world, and I know you agree with this, would disagree with this on that. But yep. We strongly disagree with them. Yep. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about academics right now. We could have a, we could have a four-hour podcast on that specific thing, but we're not. We're going to end this podcast today uh, by saying this. The best way to fight inflation and a market correction is to own the best businesses in the world and to know that those corrections are going to come. And it's just part of owning public businesses. It's right. just part of the game. Uh, with that, it's also the more, maybe the less you own as far as businesses go, but the more you know about them and the details behind the business and the, the nitty-gritty, the less risk you actually have because you know what you're doing. Yeah, and you know you know how to identify a great business. I mean, that's really what it all boils down to: yeah. identifying great businesses, and then also being able to, you know, understand the value of that business, and because that's part of the equation. So, people that are uh, at home nervous about the market right now, scared, they can't open their computers. What would you tell them? They, Last piece of advice: well, They shouldn't be worried. They. If yeah, they shouldn't be worried about the day-to-day fluctuations in the market. They really shouldn't. They should really think about okay, yeah, the market might go down tomorrow. It might go down three, four, or five percent. Who knows? I mean, we don't know. It could. Um, but what I would say is, I would tell them, and I tell myself this all the time. Three years from now, I think the probability that stocks are higher is pretty high. Five years, even higher. I mean, even higher probability. Ten years, an even higher probability, and that's really what. I mean, if your if your time horizon's less than three years, then you know you probably that's really borderline whether you should be in stock, be right. investing in any way. That's the short term bonds you talked about. You might be want to be in 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 a, not not even the short term bond. You might want to just be in cash and you know the bank and and uh, so you if for long term investors with three years, five years, ten years longer. They shouldn't really worry about the ups and downs. And that's easy to say and harder to do. I, I totally get it because I'm an investor too, just like all of you. And I you know I know that when the market was down 37% in 2020 over a short period of time, that was you know that was kind of scary. What's going on here? But, but the scariest times provide the best opportunities, which right. is what we've been trying to capitalize on for our clients. Yeah. And, and we have made some adjustments in, in that regard to capture the opportunities – because they're too good not to yeah and not to take and guess what we aren't we don't we make mistakes from time to time and get and everybody does even Buffett I mean everybody makes makes yeah. mistakes from time to time you're you're never going to bat a thousand um, but that's why we do have some diversity in our portfolio because you know we sometimes we make a mistake but we feel like if we follow our our processes and our principles investment principles we we've we feel like we'll have pretty good success and amen we totally believe that being disciplined to the process all right all right brian good conversation today all right hope everyone found it useful at home relax in this market correction spring is feels like it's springing 
It feels like spring. Go enjoy the sunshine. Get some vitamin D. Until next time, bye-bye. This is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized financial advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's financial situation is unique, and the topics discussed on this broadcast should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized advice. Specific financial securities discussed are not intended to address any listener's particular financial situation and should not be considered recommendations. This is for educational purposes only. For more information, please contact Iron Gate Global Advisors at info at or by calling 888 5910334.